Lynn Heller. Today's guest is the CEO and founder of the Climate Action Fund, a nonprofit that finances community solar projects in Maryland. Focusing on delivering solar to underserved communities, the Climate Action Fund uses crowdfunding as a strategic part of the funding for its projects. She'll share insights about her work and her superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show, where we empower you. Lynn, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I am so excited to learn more about what you're doing. Uh, Man. Well, that's so nice. What a nice welcome. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, the the Climate Access Fund, uh, I recently had the privilege of putting a tiny amount of money to work in your in your fund and you've been doing this for a while i think you've got how many have you done now is it two or three or is it more more than that this is our big demonstration project actually okay. yeah yeah this is our uh our first project where we're pulling together lots and lots of different types of innovative financing to try to make it work well it, it is just wonderful um, let me give you the floor to just explain uh, what you're doing, and then we'll talk. I'll, we'll drill down a little bit, but give us the overview of this amazing structure that you've created for community solar. Sure. So, um, what I what I might do is start kind of really high level, and then get down to sort of the project and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so. About five years ago, I was working at a um, a nice private foundation in downtown Baltimore and would look out my window and see lots and lots of rooftops um, that did not have solar on them. And living in Baltimore City, I regularly witnessed lots and lots of poverty. And so I was trying to figure out, right, how do we create a very scalable model for low-income household access to clean energy. The world is transitioning to clean energy. Let's not leave out huge swaths of the population. So um, fast forward to today, well, so we started a green bank, a nonprofit green bank, the Climate Access Fund, with the express purpose of raising public philanthropic and private capital to plug financing gaps that were preventing low-income households from benefiting from solar, specifically community solar. And I'll just take a minute to explain what community solar is, because for those who aren't familiar with it, it can be a little bit confusing. So there are two ways that low-income households can access solar power. One is they can install solar on, like anybody, on the rooftop of the home that they own. A lot of folks can't do that either because their roof is not in good condition, They um, there's trees, they don't have enough upfront capital to be able to install the solar, um, or they're a renter. They don't actually own their own home. The second way that low-income households can access solar is through community solar. And community solar, I think there are about 23 states that have community solar laws on the books and a number more that are in process. Um, And community solar allows households, regardless of income, to sign up for solar power that is developed somewhere not on their roof. So it could be on a large tract of land. It could be on a rooftop. It could be a parking canopy, you know, on a parking lot that you can park under. Um, And 
as long as the household lives within the same utility service territory as the location of that solar project, um, they can sign up and get a discount on their electricity bill. So the problem is that it's more difficult to serve low-income households through community solar than it is to serve higher-income households for a number of reasons, not the least of which is credit score. Uh, Low-income households may or may not even have FICO scores. That's been the traditional measurement of a person's creditworthiness and whether or not they'll pay the bill. Solar developers need to get the bills paid, right? They need to, to recoup the costs of construction. They need their customers to pay their solar bills. So we said, all right, well, there's this financing gap. What if we use social impact capital to plug that financing gap? So we started out by offering a credit enhancement product. And um, that basically, which we still have, which basically says if, if you solar developer agree to serve low-income households and provide this much of a discount, we'll make you whole for a few months until you are able to replace that person with someone who will pay their bills. We also noticed a second big gap in the market, which was that nobody was developing projects in underserved communities, traditionally dis disinvested communities, really for those communities. And so that's where the Henderson Hopkins projects comes in because we, um, we said, well, why are solar develop for-profit solar developers, which is the vast majority of solar developers, why are they not doing these projects? Well, because it's really, really expensive and they have to get a return on their investment and the project economics simply don't work without social impact capital. So we said, well, this is a great role for us to be a financier, but we kind of became a de facto developer because there were not, we couldn't find solar developers that were willing to do this without a return on their investment. So that brings us to the project. I will pause there, but then I can dive into the project um, in the next breath. But that's a bit <laughs> well, of background and yeah. sort of how we got to, to, to this project. It, it is exciting to hear the context. That's so important to sort of understand. And I, I don't know that you said the words, but I think a key part of this is that uh, the Climate Access Fund is a nonprofit organization. Yes. Uh, and I just want to reiterate that. Um, and so that's how you're able to bring together all of these different pieces, public, philanthropic, and private capital. Um but it's it's genius in the way that you brought this all together. So now let's talk about that project, the 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 Henderson project, and and how that's working. What that is. So this is a solar project on the and by project I simply mean panels, right? Um, that's built on the rooftop of a school. It's a it's actually technically called a public contract school, which is a type of charter school. Um, in East Baltimore, in a neighborhood that is 90 to 95% Black and low income, um, the school is called Henderson Hopkins School. It is a community school that has done just an extraordinary amount of outreach to the community on all sorts of different fronts. I went down and with one of my kids during COVID, at the height of COVID, and volunteered at the Henderson Hopkins School to pass out food, which they were doing you know, for the community because they're a community schools. So this community solar project is a real mission fit for them. Um, the project is 804 kilowatts, which um, may mean something to those of you who know solar and may not to those who don't, but basically it's enough power to cover 
the majority of electricity consumption of about 150 low-income households over the course of a year. Um, we will be providing, through this project, we'll be providing 25% discount to these families. Again, remember, through community solar. So what happens is the solar it happens to be installed on the school's rooftop, which is a big rooftop, but the power that's generated will go into the grid. None of the power in this particular case will go to the school um, because they wanted to maximize the benefit to their low-income students' families and to the community. So all of the electrons, the solar electrons, will go into the grid, and then these families will be able to sign up to receive some of that power and to pay for it. And then they get a credit on their electricity bill from, in our case, Baltimore Gas and Electric, um, which all in all means they get about a 25% discount on their electricity payments. Um, so that's the solar project. What is partly unique about this project is one that it's on a rooftop, but more and more developers are doing rooftop solar, which rooftop community solar, which is great. Two, that it's 100% for low-income households. That's somewhat unusual. And three, that there are a lot of co-benefits, what we call co-benefits. Um, we have a job training and apprenticeship program that's going to be associated with the construction. We're hiring somebody from the community to be in charge of the community outreach because we're not members of the community. We're not trusted. Um, and I'll say it as an aside, that's an important part of our model is working with a community-based partner that is trusted. So in this case, it's the school. Um, and then the third piece that we do um, is that we have have a an educational component. Oh, I guess that's the second piece, an educational component where we are um, working with the school to lead an after-school club for sixth grade students um, about climate change, solar power, energy efficiency. And then we are also working um, to, we've raised philanthropic money to be able to have the Climate Access phone Fund own a portion of the solar asset itself so that the, we can share the dividends from that equity ownership with subscribers, low-income families who pay their bills consistently and on time. So we will do that in the form of an increased bill discount. But so in, in a sense, we're sharing the benefits of ownership of the asset itself. Most solar projects, the economic benefits of asset ownership go to the, you know, the investors who are out of state usually. Um, and in this case, we're really trying to figure out how to maximize benefits to the community um, in a way that it works for, for all the parties. So many of the low-income families, have, I, I presume they've all been invited to invest, uh, and many of them have, right? So some of the, you've, you've raised about, what, $350,000 on, on Raise Green? through the mm -hmm. crowdfunding campaign. And uh, much of that is from, or at least some of that is from the people who will be getting the power, right? So uh, that was my hope initially, is that that would be the case. Um, we have not been as successful in our marketing of that component in the low-income community. And I'll tell you one reason why. And that is that historically, um, 
low-income communities in particular all over the country, but very much so in Baltimore City, have been promised the sun, the moon, and the stars by third-party electricity providers. And this is ever since deregulation, where you've had third-party electricity providers coming in and selling power. Um, And they have, there have been quite a few bad actors in that group, and they have included um, hidden kind of in very, very small text in the contract, hidden escalators. So you've had a lot of low-income households. In fact, there's been a lot of recent research on this who've been cheated, effectively cheated out of a lot of money through these third-party providers. So we did not want to um, reach out to the community and make any promises until we were sure this project was going to get off the ground. And we did so we didn't work super hard at the outreach in this community we did share it with the school we encouraged the school to share it with their families um but we didn't want to do our massive outreach that we will need to do in the coming months to sign up subscribers so there was a timing problem and i really struggled to figure out because that was the original intent is that lower income folks could invest directly in the project so instead we're working at this back end that I explained earlier, this back end sharing of ownership. Well, it, it's a brilliant model. I love the way, and it's just another hint at the genius that underlies all of what you're doing. Uh, it, it's incredibly sophisticated. Uh, and yet at the same time, there's an element of simplicity there. It's just beautiful. It's an elegant solution. Well, you're extremely generous to use the word genius. <laughs> I beg no. to differ about that. I'll tell you what it is. It's just rolling up your sleeves and doing a lot of hard work. That's yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I am I am super impressed and grateful for the opportunity to invest alongside you. Listen, we're going to take a quick pause uh, and for a little message, and then we'll be right back with Lynn. Uh, Lynn, we're going to ask Lynn about her superpower. So stick around. Join us for the Super Crowd Hour with Leah bollier Gatreau of King's Crowd as she explains how you can start investing for impact with just $100 on August 16th at 1 Eastern, 10 Pacific. Register now at thesupercrowd.com. Lynn, welcome back. We're, we're thrilled to have you. Um, Lynn, you have done really all kinds of things throughout your career. Your, your, your biography is absolutely impressive. But what you're doing with the Climate Access Fund is especially remarkable. And I can't help but think that you are appropriately proud of that. Certainly, we're glad that you're doing it. What do you see as your superpower? You know, that is a great question. And actually, um, I will share something that a friend of mine said when I was on a walk with her and I was telling her what I thought her superpower was. And she came back to me and said, well, I think your superpower, Lynn, is that you, uh, how did she phrase it? I can't remember how she phrased it, but said basically that you have the guts to try things that you have no business trying. <laughs> that you." Um, that you will go out, you you set your mind on something and you'll go out and you'll just make it happen. Um, I thought that was a generous description of my superpower, but but I will say that I have been um, blessed enough in my life that I am in a position to be able to take risks that other people are not able to take. 
And um, I also simultaneously um, have long had a passion for two things, one, climate change, and two, social justice and, and equity. And so this kind of combines both of those passions. Um, and so I guess short answer to your question, that that would be it, is just sort of the guts to, what's, what's the um, Yiddish word, the chutzpah? I'm not yeah. Jewish, but I love that word. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, that is a great, a great description uh, to think of your your chutzpah uh, as a superpower. And as you think about that, um, and I, I think I will use that word because it captures it so well. But as you think about your chutzpah, what is it? Uh, what is something that you've accomplished with that that you're especially proud of? Well, you know, I, I guess I would say I'm proud of where the Climate Access Fund has gotten today. We have a long way to go um, in that we are, we have been a startup nonprofit in a startup industry. So uh, it's kind of a double startup, um, which I have to be honest, has been really difficult at times. We've had to be very nimble as the community solar market has evolved over the last five to seven years in Maryland. Um, we have been very involved with some of the legislative efforts and in advocacy and also at the at the public service commission level at the right in regulations. And we I, I'm very proud that last year actually I um, originated and a law, a bill that that passed that session. Um, in Annapolis, in this in the state legislature, um, that increased the benefits to low-income households through community solar. So, um, you know, there are certain tasks that I'm proud of, but I would say overall, I'm proud of the fact that we have been able to carve out a niche for ourselves um, again as a startup in a startup industry. Yeah, that that really is a, a big deal. You are really genuinely innovating, and uh, and with such good motivations, right? At so many different angles. You talked about your your passion for the environment and your passion for uh, social justice, and you found a way to bring those two things together in a powerful way. Uh, and and it's exciting. Uh, I, you know, I'd love to see people uh, copying you. I hate to say that. There's a part of me that feels guilty for thinking that. But this is a big country, and we need uh, we need a lot of this. We need and we need it fast. Um, so, Lynn, as you think about your chutzpah, uh, tell us kind of how could someone who doesn't feel that same power, how could they develop some of it? How, what, what's the first step to creating a little bit of it and then maybe growing it and fostering that to accomplish more? Because there are a lot of people who want to do the great things in the world, but they lack your chutzpah. What do they do? That's a great question. I think um, I think that the, the, probably the best thing folks can do is to listen to other people and learn from other people um, and have the confidence that even if it's something new and even if you bump up against 
dead ends and challenges, you say, all right, well, that didn't work, but let's try this. And that didn't work. So let's try this. Um, but you always, I found at least with the Climate Access Fund, I've always sort of operated under the assumption that, all right, if we get to a point and we realize this vision we have, it's just not going to work. Like we've tried really hard. It's just got, not going to work. There's no there there. Then we'll close up shop and go do something else. We've never hit that point, right? There's always been obstacles that are surmountable if you are creative enough. Um, now, I will say the jury's still out. We're in a very fortunate position that we've been sort of building to this point of the Inflation Reduction Act for the last five years. And folks in Washington also agree that low income access to solar is important. So we're hopeful that with additional capital, we can scale up this model in Maryland. Um, and then you talked before about copying. Actually, my vision is not to go nationwide because I'm a true believer in one of the reasons that we are able to do what we're able to do in Maryland. It's because we live here and we know people and we know the communities. We don't know communities in New Jersey or Texas or Colorado. So it's best up to folks who live there to take our model and replicate it. Now, I will say there are a number of wonderful organizations around the country that are doing this kind of work. Um, we're not the only ones. I don't know that anybody's doing exactly what we're doing with the Henderson Hopkins Project, but there are others. And I will also say it takes a village. It has, we have so many partners, so many folks who have really invested their time, energy, um, expertise to this effort. Um, that that's the other piece, I guess, back to your actual question. The other piece is align yourself with people who are well-meaning, but and have expertise, but may not be in a position to take all the risks and bring them in. It's a team team effort. Yeah. And does that team then provide some strength to help you create, if not individually, some collective chutzpah? Is that, is that what you're saying? Yes, I would say so. I have a wonderful board. I have, you know, a, a, an expert in solar development, all aspects of solar development from who lives in Boston. And when he read about what we were doing, he just called me up and said, I want to help. So he's an informal advisor. Um, definitely brings me just incredible advice and um, and help. And then all the funders and all the investors, um, you know, it's a it's really a group group effort. Yeah, it, it is wonderful to see. And uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to participate in the tiniest possible way. Uh, Lynn, before we wrap up, would you take just one minute and tell people how they can learn more about the Climate Access Fund and uh, what opportunities there may be to fund it in, in some way? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Terrific. Well, first of all, let me say, we are very grateful for your investment, Devin. So thank you so much for that. Um, you can go to climateaccessfund.org and absolutely please reach out. There are any number of ways to, to get involved. You can invest. Um, tomorrow actually is the final, or I should say Saturday is the final day of this particular crowd raise. Um, 
we are uh, have exceeded our maximum target, which is super exciting. Um, but we will invariably have other projects. We're building a pipeline of other projects. We will no doubt be using Raise Green for future crowdfunding efforts. There's always the need with 501c3s for charitable contributions, so we would not turn any of those away. That's how we operate. Um, we can't do this work without contributions. Um, and I would say those are those are some great, and if anybody is in the Baltimore area or the Maryland state area, please uh, call me if you're interested in volunteering or if you know of any sites that might be able to host a community solar project. Oh, fantastic. Well, Lynn, thank you very much for being with us today. We're so grateful for the work that you're doing, and we wish you every success in continuing this work, finishing this project successfully, and getting on and replicating that across the state of Maryland. Well, Devin, thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate it. All righty. Now, let's do some good. <laughs>